webinar Invoice Market 2 Tokens and we're here in Amsterdam. We're in a new studio guys and it's my pleasure to host today's webinar and introduce the use case Invoice Market. Um, we're also going to be asking you questions because this is an interactive webinar. We want people to participate. Of obviously, you know, we will also put this content online so you can listen to it on demand afterwards on Spotify or YouTube. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, we will uh, we will uh, be doing this interactively. I'm not alone. We are doing this webinar today with uh, other people, and it's my pleasure to be introducing my co-host today, who is going to be doing most of the talking. And uh, please uh, welcome. Arnaud. Oh, thank you so much, Alex. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and yeah. tell the viewers a little bit about yourself so we know uh, who you are and what you're doing? So I'm Arnaud Bushenka. I work at ABN AMRO Group Innovation, and I am the co-founder of the Invoice Market uh, Venture at Group Innovation. I've been working in banking for 18 years. In the last six years, I've been in asset-based finance, um, and basically, I've always been working on making uh, uh, working capital better available to SMEs. Good. So um, y you're going to be getting most of the questions, all the difficult questions. Um, and uh, as this is your first uh, two tokens uh, webinar, you know you can also expect difficult questions from the audience. And uh, but uh, it should be good because we're also accompanied by uh, your colleagues uh, from remote. Also dialing in is Igor. Igor, you know, sit, please say hello. And um, Igor Kurek and Vivek Srivastava. Did I pronounce, pronounce that right, Vivek? <laughs> That's close enough. Don't worry. <laughs> Vivek, maybe you can introduce yourself. I, I think on both last names, close enough. All right. So I'll go first then. Uh, hi, my name is Vivek Srivastava. I'm working for Digital Assets since the last two and a half years in London. Uh, so DA is well known for its uh, open source smart contract language that's ledger agnostic and is being used by various organizations to build uh, multi-party distributed applications. Now, with the trend in distributed applications and tokenizations, uh, we at Digital Asset have a different perspective as we view as business workflows as well as assets as a set of rights and obligations. And uh, you know, the, which are inter interdependent, and they evolve as the uh, entities uh, involved take actions. So we'll get to know more about Daml in the later part of the webinar, and it's value prop. I'll hand it over for now to Igor. Yes, Igor, well, uh, you are the captain of this use case, and I'm uh, glad to have you because we did a thorough preparation. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're doing this. So hello everybody. My background originally come from Croatia, but uh, I've been moving a lot. Uh, I've spent some time in Amsterdam, in New York, most recently also in Fontainebleau next to Paris, where I did my MBA. And I first wrote about tokenizing accounts receivable. Uh, when I rejoined the bank in 2019, I floated the idea by some people in Group Innovation, and one thing led to another, and it snowballed into this venture where we are trying to tokenize accounts receivable and help originators sell off their portfolios to institutional investors. Uh, I'm really happy that we're doing this with you tokens and as well partnering up with Vivek and Digital Assets to make this dream of a tokenized invoice become a reality. Thank you, uh, Igor. 
Well, it's important uh, that we understand uh, who is um, attending this webinar. Um, we want to know, uh, you know, your role. And uh, so um, if you could please take some time and answer this question. In the meantime, um, you know, are you, uh, I will explain why we're doing this, right? So um, uh, while you're answering uh, the poll, so the Two Tokens Foundation was started last year. We want to uh, basically show people uh, how tokenization is done and how it's going to change society as a whole. A lot of people don't realize that tokenization has been around since you know ancient Rome, but uh, now with the digitizations of networks, you know a lot more is possible. And uh, what we do with uh, within the Two Tokens Foundation, which is a non-for-profit non-for-profit uh, foundation is show how tokenization is applied across different industries. Obviously, uh, you know, in the fintech industry, tokenization will be applied first, but there's also other industries that were with digital infrastructure tokenization, uh, you know, will be applied. So the use cases we did last year were use cases on uh, how to launch a utility token, the how to launch a security token and apply that in next generation capital or how to use a token to uh, transmit electronic bills of lading with the port of rotterdam and port of singapore incidentally you know all those use cases uh, were documented they are also part of tokenroadmap.nl which is the interactive roadmap that people can go to if they want to apply tokens um, and um, but uh, th these use cases are well documented in, in webinars, masterclasses, white papers, what have you, and are actually in production as we speak. In 2021, we have chosen, together with the Board of Advisors and the University of Rotterdam School of Management, we have chosen uh, among uh, uh, 12, uh, uh, long list of 12 projects, we have chosen three new use cases to, uh, to investigate. And uh, the, today's use case, invoice markets, is the first one. And it should be said that uh, the format that we will use is the same format that uh, we will use from last year. Um, so every use case, we will look at the business case. Why are you using tokens? Is tokenization uh, you know, necessary at all? We will uh, investigate and uh, dive deep into the token taxonomy. And for that, we work on out with the token taxonomy framework, which comes from IWA. We will also classify the token with the ITSA. You know, uh, we will do a legal review. And of course, we'll look, take a look at the technology, the smart contracts, and all that good stuff. So it's not just the techie stuff. It's also everything that's needed to get this uh, service adopted. The other two use cases that we will be introducing uh, uh, in the next uh, month will be a tokenization of energy use case and tokenization of notary, digital notary. With that said, uh, we, um, we have all the people uh, answered and uh, I'm happy to say that 73% uh, of the audience answered. Um, uh, you know, it's a very mixed audience. We have researchers, entrepreneurs and bankers, so it's good to know that we have a mixed field. We have no uh, regulators and lawyers. Uh, no regulators, no lawyers. No, no. So, not interested. Uh, well, that's maybe this is the first time we did this webinar on a Monday, and maybe Monday is not a day for regulators and lawyers. Could be. 
could be. We'll share it afterwards, right? Yeah, yeah. So Arnaud, why uh, you, you know ABN Amro, Igor, and yourself, you know the captain of this use case. Uh, there's a lot of people already involved. Why don't you give a rundown of what this use case is actually all about? Oh, thanks so much, Alex. Yeah. Um, so um, today, I basically want to talk to you about three teams. Um, first of all, we're going to talk a little about invoices. Um, we're going to talk about the benefits of tokenizing invoices as a whole. Uh, secondly, we're going to talk about the business model of invoice market and how that became a use case. And then we'll do a small, small deep dive into that use case, uh, who is part of the use case, and when will we deliver what. So let's start with talking about invoices. An invoice is not just a document. It is a title document. Um, and that title document seals a transaction, documenting and recording uh, the obligations of a buyer on a transaction, uh, but also what has been sold to the buyer by the supplier. Um, it makes all their obligations very clear. It tells them where the payment needs to go, um, and it will also uh, uh, tell when that payment is due. However, invoices are prone to some issues. Um, and one of the biggest issues in invoicing is that there is no standard. Um, basically, anything, any document that tells a buyer, what to pay, to who, when, for what, can be classified as an invoice. So that could be on your beer napkin or something. Um, on top of that, there's also not really a global consensus of what should what data should be on an invoice. Um, so it makes it quite difficult to work together across business networks. Secondly, invoices are all issued by sellers. Right, so and basically anyone can issue an invoice. It's a non-regulated document. Um, so in order to know whether an invoice is a valid invoice, it needs some verification from the other party, namely the buyer. Uh, and that buyer needs to verify whether what is on the invoice is correct and whether he is uh, uh, going to fulfill his obligations on an invoice. And when they do, when a buyer verifies that invoice, it is be, invoices become quite a secure title and they become very valuable for financing as, to, uh, as a collateral. So then we get to the financing and we also get to the third issue, as you can see, it's double financing. Um, since invoices aren't regulated, they are also very poorly or not registered in most jurisdictions. Um, so accidentally or even on purpose, an invoice could be sold off as collateral twice. Um, well, accidentally that can happen, but if it's done on purpose, we get to the fourth issue, and that's fraud. It's really easy to fraud a document that is unregulated. Um, detecting and preventing fraud on invoices is quite difficult, uh, and it takes at least quite some work for most parties that are involved in the invoice. So if we look on the, on the right side of this slide, uh, you see the invoice market of today. And um, uh, well, in 2019, there was a total global volume of invoices of roughly 6.4 trillion euros, $8 trillion. And those were divided over 50, 550 million invoices. Uh, so that's roughly around 11,000 euro per invoice. Um, so a lot of those invoices are quite valuable to use as collateral also. Um, looking at the lower end, there's also this e-invoicing thing. 
Um, most invoices are still on paper, but e-invoices in 2019 were already 4.3 billion, and it is expected that there will be an inflection point around 2030 where e-invoices are going to make most of the invoicing volume globally. And then below I added a small graph. It's, um, it's actually intended that you can't read it very well, um, but that graph shows the factoring market over the last 30 years. Um, FCI publishes it on his website, uh, and as you can see, there's a massive growth in financing invoices globally as well. So uh, this is a very interesting asset for anyone who has cash available to do something with. But yeah, then we have those e-invoices uh, around 2030, but there's also not really a lot of standardization in that. It's growing really fast, right, as you can see in the graph. Um, However, a PDF can also be an e-invoice. Uh, other formats that are usually used are EDI and XML, but there's no simple e-invoicing standard that says this is a digital invoice. So even e-invoices can benefit from tokenization. Um, and looking at those benefits on the right, um, uh, they can really solve some big issues on the invoice itself. So for instance, if an e-invoice tokenize the invoice uh, would be the result of a business transaction that is also done digitally there will be instant verification because both parties would both be on uh, on, on that same uh, token it would be really easy to transfer a token from one end of a blockchain to another one to another party via their own wallets um, that would make it really efficient and it will also uh, completely reduce the, the need for intermediary systems, uh, uh, special purpose, purpose vehicles, and maybe even factoring companies um, uh, to, to, to have third-party benefits. Um, once we get something like this going and we get tokens running through smart contracts uh, and it's all standardized, the result of that is a very scalable approach of invoices and collaboration across business networks. That's what we aim to achieve, uh, and that's why we're moving into how invoice markets fits that bill. So, mostly I have been talking about two parties now in the invoice lifecycle, but in practice there are more, right? Um, uh, there's a buyer, there's a producer or supplier who um, uh, do a transaction together, but then that producer wants to get his money from the buyer earlier than the buyer is actually going to pay him. So he sells off that invoice to an originator. Originators that can be factoring companies, banks or fintechs. Um, and those originators, they take on risk on their balance sheet, on the invoices and the loans that they put against that. So among this ecosystem, these are the players in the ecosystem that will be exchanging the invoice that will be tokenized. Yeah, so, so basically uh, in a transaction tokenized invoice, the, the buyer would place an order. I hope they can also tokenize that, but that's not what we're looking at, right? So we're looking at the, when the invoice is there. And then the producer issues an invoice that could be a tokenized invoice. Um, the buyer knows that that is the invoice he needs to pay. But there are two parties on that invoice, right? So the producer could change his role into that of someone else. So the one who needs to receive money mm. at that point. So that becomes the originator. When he sells off the invoice, um, 
the originator. So do you think it will be a multi-purpose token or will we have multiple tokens for the different uh, instances? I mean, I can see a token to transfer the document. I can see a token to do payment. I can see token to vote. What, what, what is it going to be? Have, do you have a clue? It's too early to tell right now, nah, but that's why we're doing this project. This, this is a nice, nice research question, right? So, so if, from from my my totally uh, oblivious view, uh, with 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 only a vision, I would say that it's best if we have one token and that token moves from wallet to wallet. But if there is more efficiency to be gained, if if a token can be broken up and 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 uh, work across multiple facets of the of the life cycle that could also be a solution we just don't know yet that's exactly why we want to do this we want well if you were to do a multi-purpose token all i know it would be more difficult with in terms of regulatory bodies right? that will definitely be more difficult yes yes, yes. yes. Yeah. okay sorry to interrupt no, no, that's no problem at yeah. all yeah. so thank you for the question um so Moving forward through that life cycle, there's also the institutional investor that can invest in invoices that originators have on their balance sheet. Um, so um, why would an in originator sell off the risk that they take on, right? Because that is usually how they make money. They, they, they buy risk, they lend out money, and then they, uh, they get a return for that. Um, most of the originators, and especially the, the larger ones, are banks and, and factoring companies, um, and they are likely regulated. And they are all regulated under the Basel uh, uh, capital requirements uh, and uh, central banks. And talk so about regulation and, and also uh, GDPR. Yeah. Uh, if we're going to be sharing this information, this is also a question from Jorrit, from the, from, from the audience. Um, in a PSD2 type environment, uh, you know, you kind of have all the information secured and uh, the invoice information is only accessible to the parties involved. How can we uh, ascertain that uh, if we put this in an open ecosystem, you know, that the, that the right information is viewed by the right people? I think this is actually where, um, well, there's, there's two, two parts of an answer to this, right? Because Mostly when, when, when invoices are going to be traded as tokens in a token network, um, then everybody has already consented to using the data by using the network. So uh, whether this is a privacy issue, that is, that's to be seen. But um, could uh, be a good question, though. Huh? It could be a good question. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a question to ask in our research, right? But, but um, uh, uh, when transferring data through a token, you're transferring data about the token. You don't have to transfer data about the parties on the token. That's right. So you can basically separate uh, 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 the, the, the privacy-sensitive uh, data from, from the data that is about the transaction, yeah. making it, in my opinion, a far better way to share data than what we do now, because now we send PDFs where there could be names of people who signed off on a deal, or uh, it could be phone numbers of people on there, and nobody knows what's on, the f on that PDF. Mm. Okay. Yeah. No? Good answer. Yeah. Um, so I was at the um, at the originator end for them being regulated. Um, um, regulated entities under under Basel and and, and central bank banking regulation uh, have to hold capital for all the risks that they take on. Um, investors, however, are not regulated under under those scrutinies. So they can basically have their own risk appetite. They can demand their own yields. Uh, so um, uh, it is. Interesting for 
originators to offload the risk to other parties and then do new deals, right? So um, also here we have some issues, um, uh, and, I, and I touched upon them, uh, right? So, so we had talked about multiple formats, we talked about the verification, we talked about double financing, uh, but there's also a, a, quite a big issue around payments on invoices. Um, when an invoice is issued by a producer to a buyer, the buyer knows that he has to pay to the producer. But once the producer says, I'm going to factor that invoice to an originator who is going to pay me earlier, then the buyer has to pay to that originator. Uh, if then the originator says, I'm going to sell off that invoice to an investor, then the buyer actually has to pay to the investor. So how will the buyer know where to pay, right? And, um, and next to that, it could also be that a buyer has in, in their own accounting system or payment systems that they are only paying to the producer and then they might accidentally pay to the wrong party. Um, the thing with invoices is that you can only fulfill the payment obligation under an invoice when you pay to the owner of the invoice. So uh, if accidentally the buyer pays to the producer while well, he had to pay to the originator, the originator said it, it's not fulfilled. I still need my money. Uh, this is why most originators require cash dominion, so they basically take control of the entire payment stream. And that is also a thing for a producer, right? Because if you're a producer and somebody wants to take over your total bank account, and, uh, every, all the money that you receive is going to be on there. So do you want that or not? Uh, with tokens, um, uh, the payment could be steered from the token itself. So therefore, no one would pay to the wrong party ever again. So Niels is asking a question, Arnaud, and you being a banker, I'm sure you can answer this, but given that credit spreads are positive, why do you consider negative risk-free interest rates as an issue for institutional investors? And how does this apply to our invoice market tokenization? Right. Um, so, so now we're diving into the business model of invoice market. Um, negative interest rates um, uh, on, on, on basically uh, AAA debt, uh, well, Dutch state debt um, uh, are actually quite detrimental for institutional investors. Um, most institutional investors have in their risk appetite uh, a division between the assets that they want to invest in, uh, and on that are uh, low-risk uh, investments. Um, low risk right now, lowest risk is German, Dutch, Danish state bonds with roughly about 27 basis points negative interest. Um, highest risk is buying shares, right? Um, so basically buying shares and derivatives is going to incur high risk and funds don't want to be in that all the time. So they look for lower risk items, but there's a very big gap between the high risk and the low risk. And in between is something that are invoices. Invoices have a quite a, quite a good yield. On average, in, in the market, you would find around 180 to 210 basis points um, uh, for, for factoring companies as, 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 as their pricing. Um, so um, uh, there's actually money to be made here. And the good thing about invoices is that they're very strong collateral. Uh, I was going to touch upon this anyway. Um, when you have an invoice... Uh, you're way up higher in the food chain when a company defaults than when you have shares. Right? When you have shares, you're at the end. 
if the company defaults, your money is gone. But when you're in the when you're you're a creditor and you have an invoice, you're first in line to be paid out of everything that comes out of the of the defaulted company. So there's a much higher chance that you get your money back. On top of that, most invoices are credit insured. So if a buyer cannot pay anymore for the invoice that they uh, that they still have to fulfill, um, then likely the credit insurer will pay that amount out anyway. Uh, it's not always the entire amount, but it's enough to make sure that the risk is low. Um, so that's why the, the, the risk on invoices is far lower than the risk on shares, uh, but it gives a far better return than, uh, than government uh, bonds. So investors really like this this new type of investing, and it's it's actually being done already quite a lot. Uh, but right now it's quite a cumbersome and expensive process with bilateral agreements on special purpose vehicles that are filled with invoice portfolios. Now we get a little technical. I, if you have more questions about that, we can talk about it longer. But um, uh, because it's an expensive process, um, that, that process is only done for, for, for big portfolios for a long time, uh, and invoices usually run for 30 to 60 days. So there is a, a duration mismatch, and there is actually a money mismatch to be, uh, to be made up for. I hope that answers your question, Niels. Yeah, you can see the question. You know, it sounds like a huge selling point of invoices instead of an issue to institutional investors. Right? So that's what he's saying. But um, great answer. But uh, thank you. And by the way, guys, keep keep them coming. The questions, right? So uh, even though we we'll, we will run out of time, how did I do breaking up your flow? It's actually quite good because we are moving through my story uh, uh, really well. Um, I, I'm really good at breaking up the flow. Right? Yeah, so so that, that's that's great. I'm, I, I think this is going to going to really make the story tick for everybody. Mm. Um, so um, what I was touching on is is the, the the working with special purpose vehicles for for institutional investors, right? Um, um, when putting uh, um, uh, invoices through a special purpose vehicle, uh, it, is, it is a lot of work. It needs to be set up, it's, it's, it's negotiations, there's pricing involved, um, and all that work that can be, uh, can be eliminated by using something else, as in distributed ledger. Uh, and with it, we can make this very highly scalable product. Um, so basically, what is going to happen if we put this on a distributed ledger? Originators want to sell off invoices. They go to invoice market. They put down a portfolio of invoices, or they put one invoice. They, they, could, they could just take the tokens as they have them, right? And um, uh, invoice market creates those tokens and puts them in the wallet of the originator on the network. And so, by the way, Jorot is asking, has this already been built, or is this all theory? Um, so right now we are moving from the hypothetical to the actual uh, uh, in the uh, in invoice market itself with classic ways of working, so with special purpose vehicles and um, uh, with all the negotiations that need to happen to make sure that we know the entire process uh, that needs to go into the token or right. into the, 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 the ledger. Uh, because you can you can do this in a hypothetical, of course, and then and then miss something, and then you, we build everything, and then we don't know what we had to do. So we want to make sure that we do it right. All right. Good. Good. 
Um, and basically what we want to do is then transfer the entire invoice to a token, put them in a wallet, then um, uh, an investor can say, okay, I have risk appetite for these tokens. I basically want these risk these these tokens to be transferred to my wallet, and then I'm gonna in in return invest in uh, in the in those tokens, uh, and repay the originator. Well, the originator also already paid uh, the producer, so basically then the investor is the one who needs to receive money from the uh, buyer, and all of this can be done completely automated, because. In, in, a, in a well just like it works on on on, on uh, crypto exchanges it's usually bots working together right so you, you can you can set up a set of rules you can set up a risk appetite and uh, those rule sets communicate together and then they 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 do very quick and easy transactions on each token separately no questions on this one and by the way, if you guys want to have the slides, just uh, email uh, us or Arnaud and we'll get you a copy of the deck. So I see that Niels um, uh, will reach out uh, offline. So that's, uh, that's great, Niels. Um, if we have a good answer, then uh, we'll, uh, we'll get back to that also on, uh, on two tokens. Yeah. So um, um, going into um, the goals of the use case. Um, because we're not doing this just for the fun of eliminating securitization and stuff. Um, basically, in this use case, we want to find out whether we can get the legal acknowledgement and the, and the regulatory approvals uh, of a token as an invoice. And so this right? will be a private permission ledger, or are you aiming to do use of public? Because in terms of uh, regulatory, this is also going to play a role, right? If you want to use a public permission ledger... I'm sure that uh, uh, regulatory bodies will have more scrutiny. It is easier to try out on a private uh, setup. Right. Yes. Um, uh, but nevertheless, we, we want to create something that can be used globally, that can be uh, blockchain agnostic, uh, and then it should also be suitable to be working on uh, public ledgers. Yeah. So um, um, we cannot say we just do one, but right now we are... In the private uh, setting, yeah, that's yeah. easier. It's easier, yeah. yeah. But I could imagine that you could have a certain number of block producers, uh, you know, that would be people of the banks and create your own private permission ledger uh, to get started. That can be done. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Um, and you know, the thing is, technology is not the biggest. No. we're actually talking technology, which is not technology right no, no, now, no, because no, we're talking governance, right? But we do for. No, it's not. But uh, when you are looking at this from uh, the legal regulatory perspective, yeah. it becomes easier if it's a permissioned private permission ledger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's whereas if you go to a public ledger, then all of a, all of a sudden it becomes. Well, and, and and another thing that 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 will also happen then is that basically then the the the, the token will become an investment token. Yes. And uh, you'll also be uh, scrutinized by um, uh, investment regulators well, that's for a private choice. persons. That right? would so be a choice. It's a de design choice. Yeah, it's a but but it's easy to, to hop over from one to the other, so it's so that's why it's better yeah. if we control yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing with, um, uh, with invoices is that once you have that token uh, uh, working, it also needs to be adopted. It needs to be accepted uh, because adoption is all in, um, uh, in in standardization. So we basically want to show that a functioning token can be built, 
and then create that into an industry standard. Uh, so we are definitely looking for, for parties who want to test it out. Um, and well, once we have done that, uh, our next step will be to set up a platform where you can use the token. Um, um, and then how that token will be used, that is something that we have to find out along the way. We know that Invoice Market as a use case uh, also has a business model next to it, which Igor and I are working on, uh, together with a much larger team at ABN AMRO. Um, and then um, uh, 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 other items can be can be added to that. So um, the work plan. Oh, are we polling? Oh, we are polling. Yeah, you are polling. So we are going to poll it. Um, so let's ask this question. So do you believe this is a viable use case? I like that first answer. Oh, yeah. Yes, count me in. Most of the people are, are sold. Uh, maybe, but it needs a lot of work. Well, we know it needs a lot of work. So That's why we do the two tokens use case, right? Yes. Because we yes. need to work together in order to, to get to an answer to this because it's a complex setup. It is going to be a lot of work. And I think it would be good that we present a roadmap of how to ultimately get there because you can do this in one go. I, I could imagine that we start with a two or three tier rocket where you start with the easy stuff first. That's exactly what we're going to do. Let me move into the team, uh, because that will already... Uh, well, uh, Alexa already told, talked about ITSA, and, and uh, uh, we are also being helped by CMS and PwC uh, on the legal and regulatory end. Um, so I'm, I think this is one of the biggest streams in, 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 this, in this use case, actually. And then Demo, well, you will meet Demo, because Vivek will be talking about it. Uh, Dusk, CGI, and Europe chain uh, are um, are coming along in the tech, and on the business end, ABN Amro and uh, the Rotterdam School of Management of the Erasmus University are working together to uh, to work out all the business and taxonomy of uh, of this uh, of this token. And, um, and thanks to all the participants of uh, in the use cases, I should add, uh, you know, we can do this research. So this is a public. All these participants are. You know, giving their time and effort and and money to uh, to do this research and bring this to you. So uh, I, you know, thank you all. Under the two tokens umbrella, right? In yeah. In the middle. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, if you are on the maybe or the yes, count me in. Then um, um, well, let's have a talk later. Um, and then that roadmap, because we uh, yeah we want to show that. Um, so the first thing we did is create a definition of the use case. Um, uh, basically, you saw the summary of that. Now uh, you heard that story, um, and after this, and well, during the next phase, we we are setting up uh, legal and regulatory approvals because we basically want to find out what's necessary, what requirements are 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 necessary to create an an acknowledged and uh, an accepted token. Um, after which, we will create that token, run it. Uh, and uh, publish it in the white paper for it to become an industry standard. Uh, and that will take us uh, probably to the end of this year. Yep. Yep. That's a nice roadmap. Yep. Yeah, so thank you so much. This is me so far. So if there are questions, we could dive into that already. But I think... Uh you know, we, we, did right, you know, we did good in terms of time. We had good questions, uh, but... 
Do you expect uh, to receive regulatory <laughs> approval within the year? I'm sure that Europe, you know, is teasing you here. <laughs> I uh, like the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, if uh, if you were following the webinar that we did in January, we had uh, uh, AFM in the call, and we had Rabobank, and and you know, and it, it was stressed also with the, um, the the Dutch Association of Banks that what we're doing, we need to be doing more to experiment and test and put forward uh, tokens for approval. But uh, knowing the AFM and you know lawyers, it, it, it usually takes a little bit more than a year to, to get approval. Yeah, you know, and I think there is there is an upside and a downside in regulatory, but um, um, uh, since an invoice is not a regulated document, um, there is not really a regulatory approval for, the, for an invoice, right? Um, the thing would be, is that token going to be acknowledged? Yeah, so I think the, the, regu- yeah, the regulation would not be on the invoice, but on the token. On the token, right. yes. So so it's we're creating something new, and that's why we need all these parties to be involved and, and, and also share their time with us, because otherwise it's going to be really difficult. Thank you, Arnoud. And uh, be sure to ask questions to Vivek, who will be giving an introduction on uh, Damon.